Welcome. You've turned into Rockstar Millennial Spotlight, featuring Katherine Spitznagel, professional coach, speaker, and author of the book, Rockstar Millennials, Developing the Next Generation of Leaders. On this show, we'll feature millennials who represent this high-energy, creative, and entrepreneurial generation, and spotlight Rockstar Millennials who are living their purpose, helping others, and making a difference right where they are. Please join me in welcoming our host, Katherine Spitznagel. Hi, this is Katherine Spitznagel, your host for Rockstar Millennial Podcast. And today we are so happy to have Angela join us. Angela Moriarty, welcome. Thank you. So Angela, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, as you said, I'm Angela Moriarty. I am the Vice President of Human Resources with a company called Advanced Correctional Healthcare. So we are currently the nation's largest healthcare provider that focuses on jail healthcare across the United States. Uh, we're in 16 different states. And my role is over human resources to do organizational management, mentorship programs, coaching, and really helping employees to collaborate with one another um, productively in the workplace. Wow. That's a big job. And it's one I think people don't, you don't think of. And, and I, I know the first time you and I talked, I I said, okay, what's the difference between a jail and a prison? Can you tell us that? Yes. So I am non-medical. So I always go into this with the disclaimer that I am not medical um, <laughs> by background. Though yeah. we do employ a large number of medical professionals. The difference, in my opinion, of a jail versus a prison is that jails are generally short term. So when an individual is booked into the jail, it could be, you know, a, a friend, a relative, someone at the grocery store. They may quickly come into the facility and be released quickly out of the facility. That is the point that the medical staff has to get involved um, if somebody needs care and determine how critical that care is so that they do not decline while in the jail facility. After a period of time, um, usually it's no more than a year, but after a period of time, those individuals can get sentenced and maybe sent to prison. When they get sent to prison, the medical records should be able to be transferred with them so that those who work in correctional uh, prison settings have kind of a background of this individual and in their medical care. But when you first walk into the jail, you could be detoxing. You could have things in your system that the medical staff don't know about. And while you may have pre-existing conditions, you may or may not be treating those appropriately. So there's a lot of um, a lot of interaction that has to be done from the medical staff when somebody comes in requiring medical care. Which is incredible to me. Um, I remember our first conversation, and I thought I didn't even I didn't even know this existed. Uh, but once you say it that way, and you say, "Oh yeah, what." They may have pre-existing conditions. They may be detoxing, and you you think there's a you know the security team, the prison guards or the jail guards, uh, jail security. Um, that's primarily the staff, and they wouldn't know how to evaluate if something is wrong or if there is a medical need. And so, tell us how your medical team goes in, and kind of what do they? How do they do an assessment? So when an individual comes in and they are, the jail is contracted with a company like ours, they're able to immediately contact medical to do assessments. 
And the assessments are similar to when you go to your doctor. You know, um, are you using anything? What type of medications are you on? What is your background? And the medical staff can go through that assessment with patients. Once they get through that assessment, then medical can be contacted at any time. So our organization has doctors or advanced practice providers on call 24-7 because we want to make sure that if the officers ever walk into a situation where a patient is, um, you know, has a certain condition or certain symptoms that they are showing, that they don't have to be the ones to make that decision, that that immediately goes over to the medical team to assess and then send the person out if they need to go out to the hospital because of having that medical training background. Um, but I agree with you. A lot of individuals don't really think about this type of healthcare until a friend, family member, or you work in, a, in an organization like this um, to really see that there, there's a benefit of individuals who are solely in the jail environment to take care of individuals in there. Right. And to be um, aware or to know what some of these symptoms might be. And I think as you and I talk, sometimes it can even be, it can be very critical. It can be almost a life and death situation that needs to be addressed. Is that right? And when individuals come in and they have even pre-existing conditions, if they're not treating them on, you know, in the free world, in the outside world, how do we get them back on track? Now, we have some statistics that show individuals are healthier when they are in our program because they do have regular access to medical care that they may or may not be going to while they're on the outside. So that's very motivating to hear, too, that because of having those records and being able to see patients regularly, they are getting their insulin or they are getting the medications that they need. Right. And it can be as simple as that. Sometimes it's insulin. And, but again, that's, that's life-threatening. Yeah, for these folks. And what we're seeing now, as the industry grows, is more and more need to focus on behavioral health. And so that's what we're working on as we enter this year and moving forward. There is such a need for individuals with behavioral health issues or concerns to be able to not only be taken care of in the jail environment, but once they transition out, how do we assist them through community outreach? to help them get the care they need. So ideally, they're not coming right back into the jail environment as well. So we are focused on that as well. Right. And I love that about your mission is that it's so much broader. It's not just, um, you know, let's deal with the initial symptoms and the current need in the jail, uh, but it goes beyond that and really a holistic approach to helping these individuals is what I see. And that's incredible. So tell us, how did you get started in this, Angela? Well, I laughed that this was a part-time job for me. Right. And I am 15 years into it. <laughs> when I was in college, um, I began working for my family's company. And I was able to get into human resources and help with recruiting. And that's when I first really became aware of this industry. Um, through finishing school, I just couldn't leave it. I enjoyed the work that I did. I was able to help in um, the, the sales department. I was able to help with placing doctors and facilities, but ultimately ended right back up in human resources where I started because the human resources industry has evolved over time. Right. And it's no more that companies say, 
this is the job, take it or leave it. We have to make sure that we're taking good care of our employees because if we take good care of our employees, they will take good care of the patients within the facility. I don't want them to be disgruntled about their job when they're not having to care for other individuals who can't choose a different provider at that time. Right. So you see a much bigger purpose. A much bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your purpose. Yeah. Um, I have been trained through the years by just evolving and growing to understand that we want people to collaborate with one another. We want people to have open conversations. Every day is not going to be easy necessarily. But if we can at least speak to somebody and talk about the issues that may annoy us or may frustrate us, we can find out better outcomes. We can find ways to be more efficient and, you know, essentially make all of our life easier rather than fighting with one another. Working for this behavioral outreach that we're focusing on now came from one of those conversations. You know, we want to be able to take good care of patients. So through a conversation about how we do that with the way that the prison and the jail industry is going, there is an opportunity to partner with outreach, to partner with law enforcement, to support them and also not have individuals who maybe shouldn't be in the jail environment returning on a regular basis. And so tell us about, uh, you know, as you work with your employees, they're medical personnel. So so these are very smart people and they're well-educated. And, but still sometimes there can be conflicts among employees. So there is. And I think a lot of people, um, you don't readily think about working in a jail environment until you get involved in it. So this is in someone's community. This, right. when a nurse goes to jail, they are walking into a community that they likely live in. Right. And the individuals who are incarcerated there are likely individuals they have seen and met before. So we really need to help focus these um, nurses or advanced practice providers and doctors, behavioral health workers, all of them around the fact that there are additional challenges that they face in the jail outside of a hospital environment. Right. In a hospital, it's likely Mm 24-7. If I have an off day, if I have a a tough time, I have staff surrounding me that can help me. If I am in a jail, I may be alone. And so I need to help have reliance on the security team or somebody a phone call away. So that initially is a a big challenge. On top of that, we have to make sure they understand the professional boundaries. Just because I went to high school with this person doesn't mean it's now okay for me to give their parents a heads up that they're they're okay. Things are going okay with their care because it's their medical care. Mm -hmm. So we want to get involved early and say, things may be fine now, but when you develop feelings for a patient in the jail. When you, you know, are having a difficult time and you think, what's the harm of ordering an inhaler through the jail's pharmacy? These are not only things that could damage your employment, but also your medical license. So it goes so much deeper when you get involved in a jail environment. But the skill set of these individuals is heightened because they do have to be that main point of contact, boots on the ground. Right. That for that reason, we put them into a mentorship program 
where we partner with them with other individuals in the company, mm-hmm. trying to help them build a trusted inner circle, people that they can talk through situations with. And we also offer them a program we call the SEER program, uh, Critical Incident Employee Rapid Response. And that is for any staff, and we've extended it to officers, that deal with a suicide, that are homesick when they're traveling away from work, that have people in their home lives that maybe have committed suicide or attempted or other challenges that they are facing because we all have issues going on in our lives. And just because we're not incarcerated doesn't mean there aren't stressors affecting us Mm -hmm. that we as an organization can't help with. So offering that program says we want to keep you on staff. We want to take good care of you. And because of our expertise and the team surrounding you, we can offer you these things if you want to talk through them. Wonderful. And your team has a lot of different stressors. Um, This isn't a regular job that they go to. And like you say, they're not working in what might be considered a normal medical environment. And the people they're teaming with are not other medical personnel. Uh, They're teaming with security. They're teaming with... Um, custodial staff, uh, folks that are at the jail. And it's it's much more complicated. And I think it takes a lot of, a very diverse um, skill set. And that, that comes back to HR. <laughs> and how do you hire for that? And how do you develop that? And it's, um, it's a critical role that you serve. And, uh, and one you do very well. Thank you. So this is probably an easy question for you because you see it every day. Where are you, where are you making a difference, Angela? Where are we making a difference in the jail? Yes. And just in your role. And when you look at your, uh, your career. Well, I love that question because we do strategic planning. Yes. <laughs> so we meet as an organization every quarter to go over where do we want to go and we back all of that up through every single department mm-hmm. because we want people to know that the work you do today impacts the company as a whole. So we make a difference in the jail because we care. Mm-hmm. We want people to do well. And intentionally trying to hire individuals who can collaborate, who are professional and respectful with others, no matter their background, no matter what's going on in, you know, their own life. Right. Those individuals are more likely to take care of others as well, to have the same mindset and mission. So Mm -hmm. I believe that we make a difference because we care. We're not going out just looking at ways to cut costs. We're looking at ways to be more efficient, to reduce waste, to make everyone's life easier by working together, listening to feedback, and growing and evolving through time. Mm-hmm. And then you see the outcomes in terms of, yeah. yes, these patients and these uh, folks in jail. This is a stressful job that you have, just by nature of it, it's a stressful job. So tell us how you, how do you blend your work life and your non-work life? Um, it is a stressful job. Yes. <laughs> right? We are currently relocating our headquarters too. So, I mean, there's always going to be some stressor that comes up. What we try to do is encourage PTO. Take time away. The work is always going to be here. 
um, a joke that uh, some of us have is it's job security, right? The work is always right. going to be here. <laughs> so we want to enjoy the moments that we have outside of work, too, that help us de-stress. Whether that be finding productive ways to exercise or get away from technology or take deep breaths when you're in the moment. I don't believe that work stops when you walk on the door because it's on your mind. But having a balance of being able to de-stress, be calm, sometimes that's the best time to come up with those efficient solutions because right. they're rolling around in your head in a mm-hmm. calm environment rather than when you have your checklist of things that need to get done while you're at work. When I get overwhelmed, when I have stressful days, I've heard, and I don't remember where I heard this from, but you just do the next right thing. And I try to use that myself, is take one step forward. What's the next right thing to do right now? Because now I've done something, and I can feel productive for the day. I did something. Now can I do another thing? And as you keep taking these baby steps forward, you're getting through your long list of stressors to overcome that. Another thing we do is what's called swallowing the frog. (laughs) So when I come into work, I say, what is the one thing I don't want to do? I need to do that first. Otherwise, I'm going to stress all day long until that is accomplished. And tell us the, the rest of the story there about swallowing the frog. Um, That is one of the lessons that we um, teach and guide around here. Mm -hmm. So the the thought is that frog is, you know, it's stuck in your throat. It's a difficult thing you need to do, and it's going to drive you crazy until you just get it done. (laughs) So you got to get through it, get it done, and everything the rest of your day is going to be easier because you've already accomplished that one thing that you did not want to do, whether that's you know, making a certain phone call, whether that is um, dealing with a certain patient from time to time, whatever that one thing is that you don't want to do, if you can accomplish that first, everything else in the day seems easier. Great. Love that. Good message for all of us. So tell us, Angela, what's next? What is next? (laughs) I am excited this year. We are capitalizing on so many different opportunities. One of those being um, a headquarter move to Tennessee. So with that comes a lot of change, um, a lot of nerves, a lot of excitement. Um, I love that our organization is finally transitioning to a a big remote work network. I think it's evolving and keeping up with the time. Um, And it's opening us up to being able to capitalize on talent in many different states. So we just see ourselves continuing to grow and evolve, Um, and especially in this behavioral health organization, to really get out and make a good difference um, with patients across the nation. That's a big darn goal. You got to. It is. It is. We're going to get there too. (laughs) You are going to get there. So, what encouragement do you have for other millennials? For other millennials, I think that we sometimes get a bad rap that millennials don't want to work, um, that we just are entitled to things. But that's not everyone. Every generation, every group of people is is stuck in this, um, you know, you're, you're pigeonholed with some sort of a challenge. But there's right. always going to be challenges that we need to overcome. And it has taken me years 
to finally say, I'm not going to internalize that those comments. I'm not going to let you make me feel like less because of your judgment on an entire population of people, on mm-hmm. an entire generation. Right. So my advice to millennials is make goals, accomplish those goals. And you will see that there will be individuals who support you, but know that there will also be individuals who will no longer support you as you grow. So that's okay okay. because it's not something you're doing to them. Everyone has choices and that's a choice that they have made to no longer support you if you're growing and evolving and changing. So writing down goals keeps you focused and then turning that emotion to a bit of apathy to what other people's emotions are. You can't carry everyone's emotions forward with you. Right. Well, and you've been a perfect example of that, how you just keep growing and developing and spurring others on. So thank you, Angela. Thank you for what you do every single day. Um, It's an incredible mission. And, you know, what a growth journey you folks are on. And I just, I can't wait to to watch all of it. So congratulations. Well, I really appreciate the time today. Thank you so much for this opportunity to speak with you today. Um, I, I just really appreciate it. Absolutely. So uh, thank you for joining us, Angela, and thank you to all of our listeners out there. Um, please don't miss a podcast. Turn into, uh, tune into rockstarmillennials.com. You can find us on the website. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes and YouTube rockstarmillennials.com. Talk soon. To share your thoughts about this episode, subscribe to future podcasts, submit a discussion topic, or shine a light on a rockstar millennial in your world, contact Catherine Spitznagel at rockstarmillennials.com and click on Contact Us. Contact Us.